Welcome into the film room. I'm Justin Graber, with me as always is James Esparza, and today we review a sad, disappointing loss. The Titans fall to Jacksonville 20-7, did not look good doing it. We're going to try to assess the blame for the Titans' loss. Was it the play calling? Was it the O-line? Was it Mariota? Was it the refs? I hate blaming the refs, but they were pretty bad in this game. We're going to give our sky is falling overreactions. We're going to discuss reasons to stay optimistic in the midst of this 1-2 and two start. And then we'll ask the question again. Is it time for Ryan Tannehill? What do you think? What do we want? What needs to happen for this team to turn it around? We'll get into all of it on this episode of Titans Film Radio. There's times where there's guys are open. There's times where guys aren't open. There's times where there's breakdown in protection. And there's times where, you know, we got to get rid of the football. So there's there's always a lot of factors that go into it. And, you know, I know that everybody um, would like to pin it all on, on one or two people. But that's not that's not the case, and it's not going to be uh, what happens here. I am tired of this team. Welcome to the podcast, James. How are you feeling? I'm done. I turned it off at halftime. Uh, you missed a good second half. Nah, no. I'm I'm okay with missing that. Not. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you missed eight second half sacks, so that's cool. Yeah. Oh, that sounds wonderful. I'm trying to figure out who deserves the most blame for this loss. So, if you missed it, the Titans lost twenty to seven to the Jacksonville Jaguars on Thursday Night Football, ending their streak against the Jags of four straight wins, which lasted nine hundred and ninety nine days. This team, of course, couldn't make it to a thousand days. They just couldn't do that for us. So here we are, reeling now. Titans at one and two, last place in the AFC South, zero and two in the division already, and things look pretty bleak for the season outlook right now. I have no hope right now. Um, will you want to talk about blame? There's there's some blame we can talk about. The, the ref certainly didn't help us. The play calling was average at best. Mm, the, way below average. Yeah. Way below average. Yep. Uh, the offensive line wasn't blocking. And, of course, we are getting to the point where I am questioning the quarterback. And, personally, I am kind of done with the quarterback. I have been a big Marcus Mariota supporter. I have given him five years. And I don't care about the play callers. I don't. I mean, there's five different play callers. And yes, he had the good 2016 season. And yes, he's shown flashes. But for what it's worth, the consistency is just not there. And I'm tired of it. And I would like to move on, please. So, yeah, I, I think we, we can talk a lot about where we stand on Mariota. But before we get there, I want to say that the play calling in this game was truly disastrous. I mean, truly disastrous. The number of second and long runs, first down, predictable play calling runs, really put the offense in a tough spot and and the quarterback in a tough spot. Now, I don't want to excuse Mariota because he also put Art Smith in a tough spot. Some of these second and longs are because Mariota missed wide open receiver on first down. 
or because he missed a wide-open Adam Humphreys on second and six and set up a third and six. And those kinds of things are, are make it hard on your offensive coordinator. But also, when your offensive coordinator is calling predictable passing situation plays, it makes it hard on the quarterback. So it goes around and around. When your offensive coordinator has to scheme up extra protections, and then those extra protections don't actually help, you're then, not only are you limiting the passing options down the field because you're bringing an extra protection, but that extra protection not helping means that your quarterback's under pressure right away with less people downfield to throw to. So it's all a revolving door of everyone is hurting everyone else. Instead of helping elevate each other, they're bringing each other down. Bad offensive line is being hamp- is being made to look worse by a quarterback who's not feeling the pressure very well, which is being made to look worse by constant third and longs, which are set up by predictable play calls. The Titans haven't had a screen that wasn't the 75-yard touchdown to Henry work once this year. And Henry's had a couple of screens that could have gone for big gains. But take the running back out of the equation. The wide receiver screens, the Jonu Smith screens, are ill-timed, predictable, and really unsuccessful. So I want to attribute blame all around. But I also have to say that if the Titans had a quote-unquote franchise quarterback, perhaps it would make some of these other glaring issues, not so glaring, better pocket presence, better ability to let it rip down the field. But let's just take a sky is falling approach. Just get it all out of our systems. This I'm talking about ultimate sky is falling. If, if things don't improve right now, what do you think this Titans team finishes with record wise? Three and 13. Three and 13. So who's your win against? Wins again. Who are your wins against? Uh, I would have to look at the schedule again. Maybe one against Jacksonville, even though we had struggles in this game. Uh, let's see. I'm going to say the Jaguars and the Bills. The Bills. So week five, first game back with Luan. You think they're back in gear, they get it together, or do you think it's a defensive struggle that they just come out on top? Probably the defensive struggle. So uh, I'm just going to say the Bills because I – for God's sakes, if we ended up two and fourteen, as long as we beat the Bills, I really don't care. I think three and thirteen is a pretty crazy overreaction. I mean, this defense is still a talented defense, and just by the fact that they're a talented defense, they're going to win games. They're not going to face defensive fronts as talented as Cleveland's and Jacksonville's. And Indy's underrated, but I mean, Indy's not a great front. But Marcus just mm. had the such a bad game. I think there are definitely better days ahead, but. If we're talking sky is falling overreactions, we're looking at a new quarterback. We're probably looking at a new offensive coordinator. And look, as difficult as it is to watch these games, these are not new issues. The Titans are having a difficult time getting to the quarterback, and they're allowing way too much interior pressure. That was the story of 2018. If those things aren't improving, who's to blame? John Robinson? Mike Vrabel? Is it time that for these guys' seats to start getting warm? I mean, keep in mind, sky is falling. If the sky is falling, I think Vrabel... I mean, look, if we're just airing all of our deep, dark concerns here, Mike Vrabel concerns me from the standpoint that his comments in press conferences, the offense we're seeing on the field, I get the sense that Mike Vrabel wants to run an offense centered around the run game, pass the ball as little as possible, and try to grind out these wins with ball control and defense, which is malarkey ball. Right. It is not a recipe for success in 2019. 
I don't care how talented this defense is. If the offense can't score points and keeps putting the defense in bad positions, they're not going to be as good as they could be. That's true. That's definitely true. I can't remember a time where a team had a positive turnover differential. The Titans are plus five in turnover differential, and they have one and two record. They haven't turned the ball over on offense, and they've only scored 24 points in the last two games. Does Art Smith just not know what he's doing? Is Art Smith in way over his head? I had a I had a very idealistic opinion of Art Smith in the sense that, oh, he learned under all these offensive coordinators. He saw what they did wrong. He saw their mistakes. He won't make the same mistakes. Well, what if Art Smith just took the worst of everything that he learned under, didn't see the same things as mistakes that we saw as mistakes, is just a bad offensive coordinator because he hasn't had a good offensive coordinator mentor. I mean, he learned under Mike Malarkey, um, mostly coached under Mike Malarkey as his assistant coach when he was the tight ends guy. Ken Wisenhunt was bad with protections. We're seeing the Titans put Jameel Douglas one-on-one with Calais Campbell all game, similar to how Ken Wisenhunt had uh, Jeremiah Patassi on J.J. Watt one-on-one all game. And then at the same time, we're seeing the Malarkey all-hooks route combinations frequently. We're seeing LaFleur's inconsistent running back usage. It's like an amalgamation of all the bad of all the previous offensive coordinators. And now he is playing with Taylor Lewan out and a third string guard in Jameel Douglas, who shouldn't be on an NFL roster, I'm convinced, after three games. So tiny benefit of the doubt for that. But I mean, I am worried that this offense is going to be absolute garbage for the entire season, no matter who's at quarterback. I mean, put Ryan Tannehill in, and Ryan Tannehill was one of the only quarterbacks who was less aggressive in downfield throws last year and who held the ball longer than Mariota, one of very few last season. So I don't know that Ryan Tannehill makes things better, but right now it's bad. It's broken. Break. Speaking of broken breaks, is it break time? Uh, Yeah. When we come back from this break, we're going to actually dig into the opposite. We're going to cite as many reasons for being optimistic as we can. And then we're going to ask the ultimate question. Is it time for Ryan Tannehill? Okay, one second. You're going to be optimistic. I'm not optimistic. think that that's something that we're looking at right now but it's always something that we consider every week um, but but not right now I think that uh, you know again trying to emphasize the the really good throws a really good production uh, we got some play pass production And welcome back. Uh, Justin is going to give us a few reasons why we should be blindly optimistic, even though I think the sky is falling, the world is ending, and it's going to be awful. It may be draft season already, which is crazy, but here are reasons for optimism. Now, I want to be clear up front. I don't actually believe that we should be optimistic, but we're still fans. And at the end of the day... I'm going to turn on the TV every freaking Sunday and watch this team and root for them to win because I'm not the type of fan that roots for my team to lose just to get a better draft pick when at the end of the day, the draft is a crazy crapshoot 
and losing on Sundays is miserable and not worth having a few picks higher in the draft at the end of the day. So I'm still rooting for the team to win, and here are the reasons why. Number one, Thursday night football games are weird in general. So coming off a game in which the team looked terrible on Sunday, did not really have a lot of time to address those issues, did not really have a lot of time to assess their offense and be like, why were we so terrible a week ago? They just had to move on and get into Jacksonville, who's a divisional opponent, who was obviously going to be prepared to face Derrick Henry after he put up 238 yards and four touchdowns the last time they played. They were obviously going to be fired up and committed to stopping him because they, these guys don't want their kids seeing Derrick Henry stiff-arming them out of into oblivion for the rest of their lives. Another reason for optimism. Mariota, while he had a terrible, terrible first half, which I have broken down in detail on Twitter at Titans Film Room, his... Second half was actually not so bad. As quickly as I can, I'm going to run through all the sacks that happened in this game. Mariota took nine sacks. The first one was a blown-up screenplay on third and 24 that didn't stand a chance. If Marcus had thrown it, it would have been taken back for six. It was good that he just ate that one and took the sack. The second one was off a play-action play. As soon as Mariota completed the fake, he was taken down from interior pressure. Can't put that one on him. Then third one was a fourth and six play. Also not his fault. Right as he's coming off his first read, going to his second, Jamil Douglas is beaten instantly inside, and he's taken down. Now, the fourth sack, I am putting on him. He has plenty of time here, and instead of getting rid of the ball or getting out of the pocket, he tries to step up and through, and he gets taken down from behind for a two-yard loss. He had time to get rid of this one. The fifth sack, Conklin is bull rushed by Josh Allen, completely abused. Mariota tried to step up in the pocket, but... I mean, the pocket's collapsing quickly around him, but this is one that Mariota's got to feel because Josh Allen swipes at the ball and misses completely. And then Mariota keeps the ball up in one hand and starts to try to throw it again. Like, at that point, you got to know that there's people swiping at the ball and you got to get rid of it. Instead, Josh Allen is actually able to knock it out as he's throwing it. This is the fumble that Mariota ended up recovering. This one's definitely on him. If you're keeping count, that's two out of five. The next one, Mariota has plenty of time. He dropped his eyes twice. He dropped his eyes and looked at the rush, looked back up, looked back at the rush again, and then tried to scramble out of the pocket and got taken down. Definitely on him. Three out of six. The seventh sack of the game, that's right, we're already at seven. Mariota had a beat or two in the pocket. He tried to step up and got taken down. In this one, I do think he should have got rid of it, but at this point, it's second and 19, late in the game, and I feel like he's just trying to keep the play alive and, and look for something downfield. So I actually find it hard to blame him for this one, even though he did have more time than on some of the others. The eighth one really sucked um, from a fan perspective, not from Mariota. I don't think this one was Mariota's fault. This is another one where Conklin got bull rushed so badly and pushed back into the pocket. And Mariota actually did feel the pressure on this one and started to step up and somehow got both feet tangled up by Conklin's legs and hit the dirt, sacked. I don't put this one on him. In the ninth play, the ninth sack, he dropped his eyes yet again. And whenever he drops his eyes, the play might as well end. It doesn't, he doesn't stand a chance. So altogether, I've got him down for four, blaming him for four of these nine sacks, um, which, I mean, that's not good. Taking four sacks where you're dropping your eyes three times is not good. But it's not as bad as taking nine sacks, and a lot of people wanted it to seem like nine sacks. So anyway... Second half, aside from all these sacks, most of which I don't put on him, Mariota actually showed some flashes of his old self. He was maneuvering in the pocket a lot better. He was taking some shots downfield. He was cycling through his reads. 
and he was just generally feeling the pressure and sliding to his left and right and up and back much better than he was in the first half. So I'm a little tiny bit optimistic that maybe something clicked there, and with a long time to prepare for the next game, I think Mariota, Art Smith, Mike Vrabel, and John Robinson can all have plenty of time to look back on why the offense has been so unsuccessful through three weeks. The week one notwithstanding, I mean, week one, they still were bad on third down and they benefited from a lot of short fields. So through three weeks, the offense has not been successful at moving the ball down the field at all. So reasons for optimism, they have time finally, now that they have this mini buy, to go look at it. Lawan's coming back. Nate Davis is hopefully coming in soon. Those two pieces added to the offensive line should help Saffold. Hopefully will help Ben Jones and Conklin, though there's no guarantee that Nate Davis is any kind of upgrade over Jameel Douglas. But he can't possibly be worse. Jameel Douglas, by the way, was benched in this game, but it took them until there were four minutes left in the game to finally try something new after he'd been abused by Calais Campbell all night. Anyway, we saw a change. I don't think Douglas is going to start again, even if Nate Davis doesn't come back. So that's at least a positive. And finally, it's three weeks. It's three weeks through the season. I have seen so many times through my years watching NFL teams, not really with the Titans, but with teams in general. And dating way back, if you look at Keith Bullock on Twitter, he just tweeted about how the AFC Championship team started 1-4 and four that season, I think. Um, so it's not all hopeless here. There is definitely time to turn it around. The fact that they get this mini-buy after week three gives them a lot of time to go back and assess, figure out how to get the ball out of Mariota's hands quicker, how to get these receivers more open in space downfield, and in general, how to make the offense better. Because the defense is okay. I mean, the defense is giving up less than 20 points a game, less than 21 points a game. Like, as much as there are problems there with allowing late runs to go for 50 yards, like, I'm optimistic in the defense, and I'm optimistic that hopefully with some time getting away from Thursday Night Football, going to an uncommon opponent like the Atlanta Falcons, that maybe this team can turn it around. It's only week three, but holy shit, has it been hard to watch. And now, since I just talked for five minutes straight, I'm going to turn it to you, James. Do we stick with Marcus Mariota? Well, so the Texans and the Colts, you'd said, had turned it around one and three, one and five, and then they came around, right? Yep. I think you're relying on the Titans to be consistent something that we haven't seen in years past. And because of the, a big part of that reason is because of the consistency at the quarterback position. So no, I do not think we should stick with Mariota. However, I have no decision in that process. And Mike Brable has decided that he's going to stick with Marcus Mariota. So we're on the ship, whether it's sinking or not. And maybe by the by, if there's still kind of going south maybe we see Tannehill but I do think it should be Tannehill time now question do you believe that Marcus Mariota limits what the coaches can do on offense like do you think that they are neutering the downfield passing attack because they don't believe that Mariota can execute it yes you think that's happening right I don't think you're alone in thinking that's happening but I want to address why I don't think that's happening if that is happening, then this coaching staff needs to be fired completely right now because you don't put a quarterback on the field that you don't think can run a traditional offense. I mean, if they're trying to get their answer on Marcus Mariota and they're not running a quote-unquote real offense because they don't think he can run it, 
then that's your answer. You have your answer already. So the, to me, the fact that they're still running Marcus Mariota out there tells me that they are not scheming their offense around him. Because if they were, he'd be out of there already. They'd put Tannehill in just to see if they can run more things. I actually think whether or not it's true that Mariota's holding the offense back, I don't think the staff believes he is. I actually think that they are scheming up what they're doing to help the offensive line because they know that they cannot leave Dennis Kelly on an island. And the fact that they're having to shift so much help to Dennis Kelly is taking away from the help they can shift to Jameel Douglas and the help they can shift to Conklin, who they are having to leave on an island, who's been better than he was last year, but still inconsistent, still getting abused by rookie Josh Allen um, multiple times in this game. So I think it's crazy to think that Mariota's limiting the offense. And I know you think that. I know a lot of our friends like Mike Mike Herndon and Superhorn and other people are also thinking this, but that would that would be such an indictment on this coaching staff for going into the season with a starting quarterback that they don't think can run an offense. That's crazy. That's no, absolutely crazy. That's not crazy because five people have gotten fired because of Marcus Mariota. He's a goddamn coach killer. I was like, you're telling me that five different people, five different OCs didn't try to make something work? They didn't learn from the last guy? Hey, this... Uh, didn't do this. Okay, let's try it. Oh, we're kind of limited by it because of what Marcus is doing. Okay, well, I guess we'll go to the run game. I mean, you had... Jason- if they thought that was the case, then they would have known they were moving on from Mariota before the year started, unless they think they can just craft an offense that's never been seen in the NFL that's so innovative that it helps a QB who can't go through progressions and can't feel pocket pressure why did, succeed in the why, league. Why that's did, not a thing. Why did we draft Vince Young? Because Bud Adams, who's not a talent evaluator, insisted that the Titans draft Vince Young. Okay, and uh, Amy Adams Strunk doesn't have a huge crush on Marcus Mariota. They didn't bring people in for Marcus Mariota. Um, She loved Mike Malarkey, and she was happy to send him packing. Well, she had to because of the fan backlash, and now we're seeing that with Marcus now. Not blaming it on Malarkey. We blamed it on Malarkey because we wanted to give Marcus the benefit of the doubt because he actually had some good years. But Malarkey broke Marcus Mariota. I do believe Malarkey broke Marcus Mariota. And I also believe that Ken Wisenhunt, Mike Malarkey, Terry Rubisky, Jason Michael, Matt LaFleur, and Art Smith, I believe they are—they could all be bad offensive coordinators and Mariota not be, quote-unquote, the guy. I don't think it's mutually exclusive. I don't think it's one or the other. Marcus is bad or these offensive coordinators are good or whatever. Like, it's it's they can all be bad. And at this point, that's what it— looks like to me it doesn't look like Mariota is going to just suddenly figure it out anytime soon but it doesn't look like Art Smith's going to either it doesn't look like anyone wanted to hire Mike Malarkey uh at least to be in anything more than a tight end coach he's actually the Falcons tight end coach so there's a little reason for concern right there the Falcons may have the recipe for shutting down Mariota if Mike Malarkey can give them a bunch of tips but the point is the point is Ryan Tannehill would be the starter already. I mean, I, you're totally entitled to your opinion, and I don't think that you're necessarily wrong because I do think Mariota may be limiting the offense, but I think that it's absolutely coaching malpractice to just keep rolling with him if that's the case. That's crazy to me. I'm more willing to give Art Smith the benefit of the doubt at this point. I I still want to give Art Smith the benefit of the doubt, and I want to give this whole team the benefit of the doubt because without Taylor Lewan, the offensive line is significantly different, and we're seeing how much... They're bringing in extra guys to help protect. So I think the whole offense is different. And we said this last week, we don't know what this offense will be until Lawan is back. So that said, I don't think Mariota gets benched anytime soon. I think they're going to give him at least two games with Lawan 
And if things have seriously not improved at all, like, I mean, if we're having the same conversation, if he's taking five, six, seven sacks a game and missing open receivers downfield and not having pocket presence and his accuracy is still hit or miss like it has been the first three weeks, which is a pretty significant departure from his pre-injury career, um, his career pre-injury, I mean. If it's still that bad, then just to get an evaluation of Art Smith, we'll need to bring in Tannehill around week seven, I think. But the biggest thing to me that I'm worried about is Mariota's gone next year. They keep Arthur Smith, who hasn't shown the ability to be very good yet, with a rookie quarterback, and now you have Arthur Smith, who's an unproven guy who may or may not be good at being an offensive coordinator, with a defensive-minded head coach who may or may not be able to even evaluate the offensive personnel and staff as well as an offensive head coach would. And what if you fire Art Smith one year into the rookie quarterback's career and you start the whole cycle that broke Marcus Mariota all over again? I know I'm getting way ahead of ourselves here, but that is my deepest, darkest fear is that Vrabel is a committed to the run game guy. Art Smith is bad at his job. We have a rookie quarterback come in and we ruin him too. And we're stuck in this cycle for five more years. I don't agree with that. Because one, you're not changing the offense, so all these players aren't having to learn another new offense. Two, if you're going to be run heavy and we're running the ball, that's perfect for a rookie QB. You want to bring him in. You want to plug him into an offense that's already moving on the run game. You have a good defense. You just ask him to make some plays that Marcus Mariota doesn't seem to be making, and I think Arthur Smith's going to be just fine. Uh, same thing with Mike Vrabel. Um, I'm. I really want to see how much we're being limited by Marcus Mariota. And I think if we're putting in Tannehill by week nine, it's already pointless at that point. We should leave in Marcus Mariota so we at least get a good draft pick if he continues to suck. But don't you just, didn't you just say you want to see what it looks like with, Mar- with Tannehill? Well, of course, but I mean, I want to see Tannehill in the early stages no less than week five. I mean, I want to see Tannehill in the offense out of a curiosity standpoint also, but... I mean, I want I need Marcus to have a real chance because if you bench him, you cannot go back to him. If you bench him in week four and week five and Tannehill is just as bad or worse, A, it's it's a sort of confirms that it's the play calling in the O-line and all that and not necessarily the quarterback. But B, if he's just as bad, you can't go back to Mariota. That's the that, when Mariota gets benched, that's the end of Mariota's tenure as a Tennessee Titan. And that's gonna be a sad, sad day but I don't think we're too far away from it if we continue at the same rate. Hopefully, those little glimpses we saw in the second half become the norm, and we can forget all this early season drama. I'll give you the Aaron Rodgers relax. Remember that season when the Packers turned it around? It's not impossible for a team to turn it around. The thing is, the Packers had Aaron Rodgers. The Titans have who the hell knows right now. All right, let's wrap it up. Hopefully it gets better. I mean, as a fan, I'm optimistic, but from what they've shown me, uh, I don't know. They're just going to kick New Orleans down. I think it's I think it's possible to simultaneously want Marcus Mariota to figure it out and accept that he's probably not going to. Like, I'm going to start paying really close attention to these college quarterbacks. Can't wait to watch Joe Burrow tomorrow. Can't wait to keep a closer eye on Jordan Love. But at the end of the day, this team just brings heartache and pain. Yep. But that's what you get when you name a team after a deity that's destined to lose for eternity. That is true. That's pretty crazy. Pretty crazy. 
All right, you can catch us again soon once the All-22 footage comes out. We're definitely going to get into the Atlanta Falcons and how to attack them, even though it feels pointless at this point because I don't think this team can move the ball on offense, but we'll see. We'll see. Feel free to subscribe to the podcast. That way you get all the episodes right in your feed instantly. Just search Music City Miracles wherever you listen to podcasts. Be sure to follow James at South Texas Titan on Twitter. It was his birthday earlier this week, so if you haven't wished him a happy birthday, make sure you wish him a happy late birthday at least. I mean, it's the least you could do if you totally forgot about his birthday. Like, come on, what's wrong with you? And also follow me at Titans Film Room. I do want to say... I do want to say thank you for all the birthday wishes that I did get. Um, I love all of you. And um, if you do follow me, I promise I'm a lot more optimistic and hilarious on Twitter, uh, just outside of the Titans. So I'm not as negative as you hear on the podcast. We're all Titans fans at the end of the day. Whether or not Marcus Mariota succeeds, stop going at each other's throats. And stop coming at my throat. Like, what did I do? I'm just tweeting analysis. I'm trying to be objective. Like... You know, get off me. I got people coming at me for being too pro Mariota and people coming at me for being too anti Mariota. Like, if you're going to come at me, at least pick a side. Jeez. <laughs> That's what you get for being neutral. <laughs> yeah, too neutral, too optimistic, and too over this podcast. It's 28 minutes already. Let's go.